Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 220. And in today's episode, I am going to talk about us, the dog training people, and not nearly really so much the dogs. And I, what my emphasis here, and I'm going to just tell the little story why, is going to be on the art of learning and getting better. And I don't care where you are. You could be like me and have trained for, uh, I'm not going to even say how many years, but lots, um, and competed for all of them since I was 10 years old. Um, or you're somebody who is brand new to this and excited and you get your first dog or your first serious dog or whatever it is, wherever you fall in this, or you've been pretty successful and, you know, you'll just come check in here and see if maybe there's something you can get every now and then. It's kind of nice as the, as... I get told fairly often, you know, I think I can always learn something. And I always want to say, no, you can always learn things all the time. And if you're not, then what are you doing? Because as soon as you just kind of stay where you are and figure that you've got this, I know how to do this, I'm good, is when you basically just start fermenting away. It, that is, uh, if, we, if you're not learning and improving and, and looking for better ways and better ways of looking at this and thinking about it and better perspectives, um, then you're just kind of also there. So I'm talking to people that are really interested in uh, continuing to get a little bit better than they are. The very best trainers I've, I've known in my life, and I've known... You know, if you wanted to name drop, I could name drop the big, are the most humble people. Not necessarily when they're driving up in their, you know, $200,000 rigs and that kind of thing. But I mean, <clears throat> they're very humble when it comes to the animals. And they don't have all the answers. And they're more curious than they are all-knowing. The people that I've learned the most from and, and for whom I have the greatest respect are that way. They have way more questions than they have answers. And so, you know, I've always tried to learn from that. But what I wanted to, to bring up in the dog training thing and how this applies to all of us is uh, something that happened to me actually this past weekend. I was talking to one of my uh, clients whose dog had just come into me in the, in the few months that I had left before I had to get out of my place. Um, so I had, I just had had his dog for, oh, even, you know, I had to send dogs home before they were ready. It was a tough deal, but, but just a very bare minimum. And, and so he had been, he had been somebody that had researched and bought this dog because he thought, gee, a lab with their personality and the pointing, what, what better thing? And a lot of people, you know, really enjoy that combination. So he did that. And then he's looking for information and he's here in Colorado so he's nearby and he went to a lot of different places and he talked to a lot of people and he wound up uh, coming to me and, and it, you know, had read my stuff and listened to all of this and was felt very comfortable with all of it. So he had sent his dog to me and, and so we'd spent, he came out every week, one of those people he was going to learn as much as he possibly could, uh, really respect, you know, that. This was his first one of these kind of dogs. I, I believe he's worked with dogs in other fields other kind of dogs for other things, but this was his first thing here. So he had taken the dog home, and it, uh, he'd had the dog, I don't know how long it's been since I stopped that stuff, three, four weeks, something like that. 
And so he had asked a few questions. He was telling me all about it. And he trains with all these dog snobs that we have here in Colorado. Because we have a lot of TC titled dogs and Master Hunter. Just some really nice dogs. Um, the, the people aren't snobs, snobs, but they're kind of dog snobs because they've worked hard and have some really, really spectacular animals. And so he's out training with everybody, <laughs> with his little new guy that's, I think, nine months old or something, and um, nine or ten months. And he was asking me, so when can I start handling? You know, when can I start the blind retrieve stuff? He wanting to go, when can I get him Wilbrook? When can I do all this stuff? And and my response at, and is is always... Well, God, he's kind of immature. I don't know. Maybe wait a little while cause, so he'll know why he's doing this technical stuff that doesn't make any sense. Because right now, you know, he's just figuring out upland. He's just figuring out running big marks and all, you know, and he's doing all that stuff pretty nicely. But he's just figuring this out. And then we got it. So I'm real unsatisfying because I do not give people recipes. I just do not. I, I, I never have been able to, and I know a lot of people look at it as a little bit of maybe a deficit of mine, but I don't have the ability, and after t this thing today, maybe you'll understand why. I can't tell people, this is what you need to do, unless it's something like go on the walk, you know, teach basic obedience. Yeah, I think everybody with every dog on the planet needs to do that, but how you do that also depends. But anyway, I, I wasn't giving him very satisfying answers. And so when I ran into him this weekend, a bunch of us dog people had, had kind of gotten together. And I said, so how are things going with your boy? How's it going? You know, are you still kind of fired up on wanting to learn all that uh, advanced stuff? And he said to me, he said, you know, I used to want to call you and ask you what I should be doing. And what should I do with him now? What do I do when he does this? And he said, but you can't see my dog. And if you can't see him, then you can't tell me what I need to do. He said, I have to figure out what I need to do because I can see everything he's doing and I get what he's telling me. And I, I think in that moment, I was as proud of that dog person as I've been of all my dog people that finish their second triple crown or finish the triple crown or get their qualify for the master national or become qualified all age or whatever it is. I, I, you know, I'm real proud of people that go do those kind of really difficult things. But I was as proud of this guy because that thing that he figured out right there is as important as anything he will ever learn or do with that dog. And I would so love to be able to impart that idea to other people. How important that, that actually is. Um, because, and, and I, that's why I'm always talking about the keyboard shooters on the internet. You know, people have a question about their dog. He's either not doing this or he's doing that. And then you get all the expert answers, right? Everybody knows what you should do. I never, ever, ever answer any of those for the reason that this guy had said, I don't see your dog. I can't hear what the dog is saying. I don't see what the dog is feeling or thinking or what he's talking about in terms of responses to you and things that you've done. And if you can't see that, then you can't fix what's going on because you're not really sure what is. Because these guys are not just dog bots. 
right? They're not a dog bot. That all dogs, whenever they do this, it means that. I saw a thing on the, I don't on the it was coming through on Facebook or something that said, "This is why all dogs lick their paws." And I had just come in with my little dog. I had salt from the snow outside licking her paws, and I thought, I wonder if that's the answer. <laughs> I mean, I it's just they're not dog bots and there's not one thing and it, one of the most important things for any of us who train animals to learn is is that we have to learn about our dog not just tell them what to do and that seems to be the part that people most enjoy and that's why you know people use things like gentle leaders and treats when they're training because then you don't really have to be inquisitive and figure stuff out, you know, they'll just do something. So you give them a begging bit. And, uh, you know, that's really more the person being trained than the dog on that situation. But it was just so important. And I thought, this guy's going to make it with this dog. And he's not going to have to send it to me to do it. He's going to understand things because he's learned, like, lesson number one that we have to carry with us all the time. And that is... You need to understand your dog and take feedback from them all the time. Now, anyone that has ever, uh, if this is your first podcast of mine you've ever listened to, that'll be the first time you've heard that. If you've listened to a few of them, then you've heard that a few times. And if you've listened to all of them, then you've heard it hundreds of times. But you have to get the feedback from your dog and that is what makes you decide what needs to happen next. And that is not this very difficult skill that takes years and years and years to develop. I mean, you get better at it over time, absolutely. And it becomes more second nature and just something that you habitually do. But it's a thing that if you look at these dogs other than a dog bot, and now all I need is the procedures and I'll get all this stuff done. Um, if you if you do like I think every single dog on the planet Earth should be taken we should take the walk from the time they're eight weeks old, uh, and then they literally physically can where you go out somewhere it's a field there's no danger it's it's natural environment for our hunting dogs it's their environment, and you put that little dog down and you take off, and in this puppy thing that is I will still say the single most important aspect of training of all of them, when you go do this, you learn so much, so much. Now, where I live in the city now, and so everybody has to walk your dog on a leash with your little plastic poop bag and all that totally new stuff to me. Um, but now that's what you have to do. And, and I watch all these people and they're dutifully taking their dog out on a walk. Most of the dogs I see, their walks ought to be about five miles. But if they get in half a mile or a quarter mile, that's that's pretty good. And people are doing it, you know, before work, after work, whatever it is. And they're walking their dog, mostly on those harnesses and stuff. And then they uh, are on their phone. And they're either, what I see a lot of is those little headphone things. So they're just in your ears. And, I, you know, I would see somebody just walking and talking. And I'm like, what is that, a crazy person? Oh, no, they're on the phone. And they're walking their dog heavily engaged in this conversation, tuning out the whole reason that we, you'd all ever want to be out there, tuning out every bit of that, right? 
where the sun is, the clouds, the weather, the temperature, the cover, the wind, the whatever, the birds flying by, all this stuff that ha bring value to, of a, in a walk to a dog, totally tuned up. Or they're just looking at their phone, reading text messages or emails, I don't know, whatever they're doing on their phone, checking out Facebook, maybe listening to the podcast, and they're totally engaged in that and paying no attention to the dog. That's not my idea of a walk. It's where your dog is off leash so that they have their own, they're moving of their own volition. They learn to stay with you, you know, and also they are learning about the environment and they are taking in all that is out there. Stuff to eat, stuff to smell, stuff to step on, stuff not to step on, stuff to avoid, things that are interesting, things that are scary. And if you pay attention to that, right, then the whole time you're learning about your dog. You know, are they robust? Are they timid? Do they get over that quickly? Do they never get over it? Do they get over it slowly? Do they think? Do they not really think? Do they seem pretty intelligent? Do they seem just okay? Do they seem kind of clueless? Is it easy for them to move around physically? Is it not as easy? Do they not enjoy it? Do they passionately love it? You know, how quickly do they learn about you and your moods? If you're kind of grumpy and you're going out there, not engaged with your phone or social uh, media, but actually with the dog, do they learn to adjust to your mood? Do they pay no attention to it? Why would that be? Maybe since if you're not paying any attention to them, etc., etc. And they, you know, are they, do they learn? When they step on a, okay, out here we have cactus. Do they step on a cactus? Do they do it 10 more times or do they not do it again? Or maybe it takes once. How quickly do they learn? How important are you? How easily do they connect with you? Most dogs connect pretty well. Some okay and some it's a tough deal. They just as soon be very independent. So there's so many things that you can learn about your dog just on a walk. And so then they learn exactly the same about you. If you're learning a lot about them, it's a guarantee. The only way that works is if they're also learning stuff about you. Your moods, your speed, do they have to stay with you? Do they not have to stay with you? Do they have to pay attention to you? Do they not have to pay attention to you? They learn all of that stuff. So here's where you start to learn about your dog and take feedback from the dog from the very beginning. And for example, when I'm talking about feedback, let's say you have a little dog that's a little timid. Just a little, you know, new stuff is just scary. And some dogs, even the big exuberant hunting breeds are that way. They're a little bit timid. Something new is real frightening. All right, so you notice that. You notice that something flapping over there in the, in the weeds, scary to them. Another one will run over there and jump on it or just see if it's something to eat. Another dog will be, oh, just be very wary. So you, you take that in, you see that. So now the dog that's kind of wary and kind of timid you're going to give many, many, many opportunities to encounter new things. Not force them into it, not drag them over there, but just let them get up to it, sniff it, you touch it, whatever's scary. You know, you sit by it, you walk over it, whatever it takes, so that they see, oh, okay, well, he lived, maybe I can do it. And you give them a lot of opportunities on their own to understand that all new things are not dangerous or scary to them. And it may take months to get that. But when you go out and watch and pay attention to your dog and get the feedback, then you adjust what you're doing 
and you make life much, much easier on these dogs. I, I got to give, since I'm out in the city, I'm sorry, nobody really cares about this, but it's a new world to me. So I know there's a lot of dogs that they must either be aggressive or afraid. I don't know which one it is, although those things are intimately related. And I've watched so many people, and they have their dogs, of course, they got them on the harnesses, right? And they, they're walking, and here I come with Elsie, right? Elsie is a nine-pound wiener dog. Not real intimidating, unless you're a rat or a rabbit or something. Or goose. So then we're walking along. She's on leash, not on a, not on a harness deal. She's on leash, walking with me. No interest in their dogs at all, because she's not out there for the other dogs. We're out there to either look for something to kill or get good exercise. And then they, these people, they take their two dogs way over 20 feet to the side, tell them good dog, and give them food. So I can see they've been with a trainer. And the trainer has told them when they see something they either want to attack or afraid of, I guess, that give them reassuring praise and food. And they will, I am sure, it's to create a positive association <laughs> with. It's like, you know, that must work or they wouldn't be telling people to do it. But that's the last thing I would do. I'm going to give you food whenever you're mean or scared. <laughs> I'm not going to reinforce being afraid or reinforce being mean. I will give you something else to do. And, you know, that's why Elsie's not interested in all those other dogs, because she knows we're there for other stuff. It's more important. That's not where she gets her bit, because she has, has had more of a life than a lot of those dogs. But in other words, they're not paying attention and responding to what their dog is saying. Somebody has told them to override it with food. You know, I, I can't think unless... I'm sure there's some circumstances where that's good, but that is not dog training. That is a totally avoiding the real issue, and that is your dog thinks that he can go whoop on other dogs. You can't. You need to give them other things to think about than that. So it's all about, you're never taught to take a reading on your dog, take feedback from them, and then come up with a thoughtful way to change whatever is the problematic uh, behavior. So for all of us training these competitive dogs, it's a balance. I think in the last uh, podcast I talked about it's a balance between a number of things. Independent thinking, doing their own thing, working on it. Dependent thinking, responding to you. Basic obedience, always important. If you don't have that, I'll say never mind anything else. So if one of those is, is interfering with the other one, change your balance of power on that. That's just not hard stuff to do, but it takes not being on the phone. It takes not following a recipe. And it takes just watching your dog and putting your focus onto that stuff. And so in all the work that we do, if you want to, let's get advanced. Let's say this guy that I'm talking about, he will. He will eventually have that dog sometime next year with the, you know, pile work, force to the pile, double T stuff, pattern blinds, start running cold blinds, swim by. He'll go through all that kind of stuff. When you're through that now and you're, uh, you're running stuff and you have problems because we all have problems. Once again, that's not where you get on the internet or call somebody on the phone who hasn't seen your dog and go, what should I do? He's popping on every blind 20 times out there. 
And every time I've ever heard someone ask someone else that, my dog is popping on a blind. That means when they're running out there, they just turn around and sit uh, and try and have you tell them what to do. Everyone has an answer. You know, burn them on back, whatever all the answers are. Turn around and ignore them. That's worse than burning them. I just, it's just, don't ignore them when they are, are not giving you a good effort. The dog is not giving you, then either assuming you trained it well enough, they're not giving you good effort. Why is that? What has happened that's created that? Pressure may not be the answer at all. It may be the answer. It isn't turn around and ignore them. So don't do that. But nobody, nobody, and nobody that knows anything is going to give you an answer without looking to see what that dog is saying when they're doing that. You know, maybe they're just really lazy and they, they just, you know, are just making you respond to them all the time. There, there could be so many things. And at so many of the advanced levels, it's so much of that. But I'll say it's also that on, on the very most fundamental things, on very basic obedience, very basic obedience. Heal and sit the first time I tell you to heal or sit or come to me. In the video series, because I don't, I don't know if people know, I have uh, five videos on basic stuff, wool breaking, obedience, force fetching, um, that kind of stuff. With, in there, it's super, super simple. And the whole time, and I spent, I think the video is an hour, something like that, 40, it's pretty long. When I show you a dog after dog after dog, we talk about... Okay, what's the dog saying right now? It isn't like, do this, take three steps, then do that. It is, do something, what's the dog saying? Let's respond to that. Let's go forward. Everything, all of force fetch, every time when you force fetch, you have to have an idea in your head, and then you proceed, and then you respond to what the dog is telling you. Do they understand or not? If they don't, simplify, go back, teach more. If they're just telling you they don't want to do it, then in a way that you've learned long before you got to this point, find out how to overcome that just kind of digging in response that the dog says, I don't want to do it. But all of that doesn't come from some expert voice telling you what to do. It comes from you taking the time to stop and think, what is this dog actually saying to me? And where did this come from? So when you can get to that point in your dog work, when you don't have all the answers or go to somebody else that has all the answers, then you can make some really, really good progress. I'd say in all the years, because I started training dogs competing, uh, obediency stuff in the beginning when I was 10, started in AKC then. I even titled a winter dog with some obedience titles way back then, so I like them so much. Um, and then through the years, you know, when I, I got a lot of help and then when I started training other people's dogs and I didn't always have everybody around me and I'm sitting there with problems, that's, that's where, and again, I, I have spent time with some of the best, precious. I have 60 pages of notes from my first Danny Farmer seminar and I spent time with him. Um, the, but the, the, the time when I really began to learn how to become a creditable dog trainer and effective, I'll say effective, I don't care what other people think, but I became where I could get done with different kind of dog, different kinds of dogs. What I needed to was when I sat there 
just stopped everything and said, what is this dog telling me? I don't have anyone to ask. There's no one here. And so what is this dog telling me? And I just noodled through that stuff. And I'm sure many times I came to not the best conclusion. But through that process of paying total attention to the dog, figuring, okay, dog, you're going to have to teach me what's going on here. That's where I've learned to become more effective with dogs. And it takes a lot. It's very humbling because it's not that you're right or you're, you know, they're going to do it your way because you said. And it's like, I don't know. Help me out here, dog. Make me understand. Make it clear to me. And I will adjust and do the best I can to keep teaching and working with you and showing you what needs to happen. So it just stemmed off of the one statement I got from this, my, my client there who showed a great step forward in becoming a good dog trainer. It just reminded me how important that is for, for me, for you, for all of us. Uh, to, as soon as you start feeling kind of, you know, pretty uptown, they're going to come in there and take that away from you and humble you. So just if you stay kind of humble and stay very intensely curious, and even when you watch somebody else's dog, don't go and tell them what they need to do. Don't go be helpful to everybody. Nobody wants that. But just watch other people and their dogs. Say, what's that dog telling him? And is, or her, is, that, is, the dog, is the person responding to what the dog is saying, best I can tell or not? And just learn and study from stuff like that. You have opportunities to learn that all the time. I'm doing it out in the park stuff now. I'm watching this stuff going on, going, wow, they, wow that's amazing. What, 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 you know what, some of the prevailing stuff. I've got more to learn. I'm sure I'll be humbled and I'll be wrong about some of this stuff, but... I just don't think taking your aggressive dog and giving them treats and telling them good dog when they want to go eat my wiener dog is good. Um, I, you know, I would go, like I said, I go out there, my dog doesn't care about anybody else's dog. I've even had to tell people, can you, my dog come play with yours? You know, it's like, no, <laughs> no, that's not why she's out here. She has, she's played with all the dogs in the world she's needed to. We're out here to get exercise and you know, maybe chase a bunny or something. So the learning thing is more important than the, I already know everything and I only have 10 minutes, so I'm going to go for a quarter mile and answer all my email at the same time. You know, don't own a dog if that's what you have, I'd say. there's. I mean, that's just so not fair to the dog. And you're missing out on all the good stuff, which is that strong relationship. So to my buddy that said... I can't ask you because you can't see my dog. It's like, thank you. Now, yes, Grasshopper, I think you are going to become very good at this dog thing. Just stay hungry and humble all the time, and your dog will teach you uh, more than you could possibly believe. So that's today's. Uh, it's Thanksgiving this coming weekend. I know a lot of you guys are hunting. Uh, there's a lot of geese falling. I know that. Some ducks, and uh, the pheasants are going too. So I hope everybody stays very safe while they're doing that. Uh, hold your family close to you if you got them. A lot of crazy things happening. And uh, hold your dog close too. And become more of a student than anything else. And I will uh, be back soon.